Welcome to the Contact Center Cactus Chat Podcast. <laughs> so I'm here with Daryl Stern. Yes. Uh, and uh, I guess what we're doing right now is driving around Phoenix. I'm, I want to show Daryl some unique places that he might not have seen before, being that he moved here during COVID, and I don't know if anyone's showing you around. So There you go. So a uh, quick question before we drive off. Uh, how long ago did you move to Phoenix or Scottsdale? Three years ago. Three years ago. Okay. In October 15th, it'll be three years. I moved in the height of COVID, October 2020. Have you explored much around Phoenix? Like... Outside of Old Town, I've been to Talisman West. Okay, Talisman West. I've been to all the shopping malls because I'm a mall rat from New Jersey. Okay. So right away, I know where all the malls are. Okay. That's why I went through Thursday. And then Sedona a lot. But like around, let's say, like downtown Tempe, downtown Phoenix, have you done... Been, so I've been to the touristy parts, if that makes sense. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yes, the main street in Tempe where all the Mill Avenue bars and are and okay. stuff. Yes, I go to the main street. Okay. The shopping mall area. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. But no, I don't know the hidden anything of anything. This could be our YouTube channel. Hidden treasures <laughs> of Arizona driving around. Yeah. I've always actually wanted to do a show where it would be in a vehicle. I'd interview people. And I have one of my clients, VIP Taxi. You know, they have videos playing in the back of all the cabs. So yeah. I wanted to have You this need to play. have cold drink and heat in a car conversations. Yeah. You know the way there's, there's comedians and coffee or mm-hmm. whatever it is or cars and coffee or whatever that is. Jay Leno has a show, and then Seinfeld did it too. Comedians in a car for no reason, whatever that show. Yeah, is. no, I know. It's I know. hysterical. They and shoot I, the whole thing with like six cameras mounted on the car, and it's really professionally done. And uh, the one he did with David Letterman was really funny. They're just driving around. Yeah, so something like that. You know, my some of my ideas I have include you know going and checking out local businesses and restaurants and interviewing like a local sure you know big people. But then also sure. maybe we stop by a dispensary and uh, you know we could so we could. Weed before uh, the we could do that. <laughs> during, not on this podcast. You but. <laughs> do the weed, and I'll, and I'll and I'll give you like quizzes afterwards. And we'll see. We'll do a quiz beforehand, and then we'll take a quiz afterwards and see how good you do, and then we'll prove that marijuana actually has effect on your ability to do math or something like that. So I picked to live right near the giant mall, uh-huh. you know, and I figured, well, you know, this is the Ritzy Pitsy area or something where I really didn't know, but uh, Fountain Hills is more, and then I'm hearing Paradise Valley and all that kind of stuff. But oh, this at is first, it, I was in Industrious, which is in the mall. Yeah. They put you in a glass box, mm-hmm. which is not good because I'm not the neatest person, you know, on my desk. And like, <laughs> they're looking in there like, stuff. what? And I had just moved in, so I was just shoving like suitcases and whatever. And eventually they're like, whatever, like, you know, that's not good. But they had free snacks. Uh-huh. So for the $1,700 a month or whatever ridiculous amount it was, you could have all the cheese sticks you want while you were eating, which to <laughs> me, I mean, that would have, I mean, that costs a lot. So I've been all around here to all the restaurants here. I know every corner of that mall. I like the way there's one of the few malls that actually goes across the street and you don't realize it when you're in the mall. Like when you're in there, you don't realize you're walking across the street. It's so enclosed and there's no windows out. It's all stores in there. So you don't even realize it. I've gotten so lost in this mall and I've, you know, because you end up like, yeah, in a completely no, so, different part of the the city almost. If you go up to Denver, there's a mall called the Cherry Creek Mall that uh-huh. has branches and different, the east, the west, the north, south parking lots. And as I was getting divorced and driving from Denver, to, well, from Vegas back to Kansas, I stopped at that mall in Denver and I got so lost and I was hysterical. I was like, I got my car. <laughs> it's really funny. Like, I couldn't find my car. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't remember what parking garage it was in which and then I found I think I was in the right garage but then I couldn't remember if it was like what floor I was on so okay here's my first question the first urban legend about Arizona okay so I came here I see a lot of palm trees I said well palm trees are tropical they need 
a lot of water. They they're in Florida. They're mm-hmm. not they're not in the desert. Then my friend says, no, 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 palm trees don't need a lot of water. And my other friend says, well, what they're doing is they're watering them in tubes underground. <laughs> so any of this true? Or well, how the hell are there palm trees in the desert? I know they must be imported. Yeah, I mean, there could be yes to all of the above. Uh, there are native palm trees here in... Uh, there are native of, palm trees in the desert? Really? In, in Arizona, in fact, uh, that was something I read about. Uh, there's a part of western Arizona near the California border. Well, that's California palm trees that just like hopped the border because the taxes were too high. <laughs> but they've been there for hundreds, I don't, who knows how long, but they're there, they've been there for forever. All right, so uh, in other words, we don't know. The answer is we don't know. I, I'm sure some of these varieties have You'll definitely have been look brought up. in outside of well Scott, I mean they're planted they're landscaped I yeah mean, I could tell that but and how they but water like here I don't know like there it's just a method of watering the trees out here you could put little tubes in the ground and supposedly it helps yeah. you know get the deep deeper into the roots the yeah. thing I do is uh I, hydroponic I run the hose on low for a day I'm watering my orange trees right now you know and it's worked for the last 10 years I okay, now orange trees are in Florida too how you have orange trees in the desert they like places that are warm in the winter or it doesn't well, freeze I guess so yeah so places freeze. like California Arizona and um, like Arizona used to have the five C's we used to be known for the five C's for climate yeah. yes citrus uh, cotton copper and cattle but citrus was one of the five C's. I so. had no idea. I, I knew copper because I went to the Grand Canyon and I heard the story about how they were mining it and the copper, they found 97% pure copper, but then they had it at the World's Fair and then the price plummeted. But f- so that was the end of mining in the Grand Canyon. But then the guy made the first hotel. He said, well, let me just make a hotel here called it Tourism. And they would take the people from Flagstaff, take them a week or whatever on horse and carriage to get all the way across the top of the state. Mm-hmm. And that's how the Grand Canyon became, you know, National Park and da da da. And it actually became a national park the same year that the state was incorporated. So this, I think, is the only 20th century state in the in the continental United. We're the last state. We're State 48. Yeah, State 48. Yeah, there you go. So there's 50 states. 1912 was when we were incorporated. Yeah, exactly. So before that, so, for an entire century and a half, it was. The wild, wild, wild west. Uh, we're driving up Camelback Mountain right now. Uh, one of the most popular tourist places, I guess. There's people that love to hike this thing and people that kill themselves every year trying to hike it because they try to go when it's 115 degrees. So now the Yeah, city- that's silly. You could start in the morning yeah. if you got up super early, but if you're halfway up and it's getting to be 10, 11 o'clock in June, July, August, November, December, you know, not November, December, whatever then yeah. you're screwed. So then we're actually going up the mountain. So, so this would still be Scottsdale, though. This yes. is actually Phoenix. So it is Phoenix, Phoenix, and we're okay. in the Arcadia neighborhood. It's all oh, this is the streets. Arcadia. Yes, I've heard but this is... But there's beautiful, uh, nice views of uh, downtown Phoenix. So you can't see this, though, because the camera is only showing... Well, I have faces. a camera up on the roof of the car, so... All right, so take a look around. <laughs> Cue the music. Bam, 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 bam. There you go. That is awesome. You can see all the way to downtown. I've never a, driven up a mountain like this. This is a fun spot They're to drive up, and it's nice to look at. Nice to see the homes around here, which is they're super unique uh, custom homes, like super, super, yeah, super it's crazy. unique. I've, I've seen these from a distance, but I haven't driven up closer to them. Uh, and then I, I come up here to shoot like the dust storms coming in, or like oh, uh, wow. lightning, uh, thunderstorms coming in, stuff. So, and I'll we run have, into other people yeah. up here trying to do the same thing. So I'll end up chatting with other people <laughs> that are here. Just to watch it rolling in. That is a cool house. The house is on like stilts and then it's up on the glass. That is super cool. 
Let's just pull in and like knock on the door and say, <laughs> hey, we're podcasters. We want to interview you on your great house. Well, that make up a new design, like interior design extravaganza express. I know. That's well, our new podcast, so we can go in these people's houses. Yeah. See, there's construction. Yeah, the, and there's a, a couple, like I think in the 60s, uh, people were kind of getting upset that there's homes being built on the mountains. So they ended up preserving the majority, like people wanted to build all the way to the top. So yeah. what you see here is a height That is a limit. castle. That is a legit castle, yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. And you can see these from down in the city. If you look up, you'll, you can see all the different houses, like the castle one. That's cool. Now I know where to target with my direct mail campaign. <laughs> like every address going up this mountain. Yeah, so that's crazy. Camelback Mountain touches three cities: uh, Phoenix, Paradise Valley, and Scottsdale. Oh, so it's like uh, four corners, you know? Yeah, the majority of the mountains in the borders of Phoenix, and so the trails and the, the city park and everything—it's all city run, city run by city of Phoenix. So the borders of Phoenix are mountains. Is that what you're saying? Most For this part of the For yeah, this part. it's okay. on this side. Yeah. Okay. I I didn't know that that's really cool i've never been up there that was super cool so are we coming up we're not coming up the same way we came down. no uh, i mean down we're the same way we came up right yeah this is another part of uh we're, we're coming out a different part of the city that's the, it the, so if you ever want to go up to the top of camelback mountain get on i don't know business that was 56 street and we're driving back down Arcadia. And there's all kinds of little streets you could explore around here. Right. Uh, and Arcadia is where the video arcade was created and the first Pac-Man game went in, right? Now. Oh, really? Is that true? I just made that up because it's oh. Arcadia. Why would you call it Arcadia? I don't know why they call it Arcadia. But it, yeah. I can tell you that Steven Spielberg grew up down the street from here. Uh, really? He did. He went to Arcadia High School. Uh, I did He did not his know first that. film premiere out in the... It was called, I think, the Phoenix Theater that doesn't exist anymore. Oh, wow. Um, but shortly after that first premiere, he moved to California and never looked back. <laughs> uh, but I, did not know, up... I did not know he was an Arizona native. I met him because yeah? I auditioned for the movie The Goonies. Okay. I met him in New York City on Park Avenue. And uh, Mike Fenton answered the door. He was the casting director for all the movies. If you look at Indiana Jones, you'll always see casting by Mike Fenton. That's mm -hmm. the guy. So he did the casting. And he opened the door and he said, And now meet Steven Spielberg. They actually put on <laughs> like a shell. And he comes out with his dark sunglasses, his signature dark sunglasses. Uh -huh. And I'm petrified. But I talked to him for a bit. And then I got a, I got a call back uh, to be the, the role of Chunk. You ever watched The Goonies, which is now a cult classic film? Mm -hmm. There's a kid that's very overweight that just like is stuffing his face in the whole movie that would be you wow <laughs> that is cool that mountainside is cool yeah there's like the road is called Camelhead, and so you could drive yeah. up there and there's more to explore and uh, if, I, if i had more time i'd show you more around there but mm -hmm. uh, I, otherwise we'll just it'll be limited to just that mountain. listen this is just <laughs> episode one you have to tune in to the other episodes of this podcast to get <laughs> the rest of the other side of town so this is just part one, guys. All right, so we're coming up to Camelback and 44th Street. This is one of the, like, just like where you're at, uh, Camelback and Scottsdale Road. This is also one of those, like, high-end, yes. glitzy corners. Uh, yes, recently, and even, even the banks here look like desert oasis. This is, like, a Adobe. really historic, cool building that yeah. they better never tear down. But, so interesting thing about this intersection is... You can uh, go on a red light, or maybe you can't, but we well, just Well, I stopped after a stop. <laughs> oh, you did a California stop. That's a California stop. Uh, yeah. 
Well, if you ever heard of these restaurants, Flower Child. Flower Child, I went to here first, but there's one in Denver, but somebody here, one of my clients here, took me to this before I moved here. So yeah, Flower Child is a cool store. And then there's a number of different restaurants. This if, is the, the If Phoenix you want to really shoot videos and stream, you guys stand right next to the 5G building, because then it's <laughs> fastest. Of course, your brain will like, half your brain will like turn into mush. So to your right is the Phoenix Suns practice facility. So you'll be able to catch uh, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant and the, the rest of the team. See, Phoenix Suns personnel only, so can't really. Oh wow! I've got to turn around in here. You're taking us right to the <laughs> place where we can't go anywhere. So literally, people from the Phoenix Suns live in this live in this apartment. I don't know if they live there. They could live all over, but they wanted to put the practice facility close to where the players live around here. Uh, all right, we didn't talk much about your acting career. Right, Have you yes. been doing acting your whole life? Uh, I mean, you mentioned some of the movies that you've been in. I know you. So I'm deaf in one ear. I guess I. The story my parents tell you, who knows, you know, whatever the parents tell you the story. So supposedly I was kind of shy, or I wasn't developing, talking right, or something, who knows. So they put me at the Vern Fowler School of Dance, which is still there in Colonia, Island, whatever, New Jersey. And it was run by Vern Fowler, who was already in her 60s or 70s, in the 70s, right? Mm -hmm. So she goes back to vaudeville. And if you know Broadway in New York, like in the 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, it was Ziegfeld Follies, get my regards to Broadway, like that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, top hats, dancing and stuff, <laughs> yeah. So I started there, and then because we're in central New Jersey, only 25 minutes out of New York City, some of the kids, their parents, got them agents in New York City to start going in an audition. Okay, so I was a shy kid. They put me in, the in musical theater class. Mm -hmm. uh, that was kind of very vaudeville. Uh, Grease Lightning had come out, so we were all doing the Grease Lightning, John Travolta, you know, that was it, you mm -hmm. know, in the 70s. That was the key, was the king of the dancing and all that. <laughs> Saturday Night Fever, of course, before that. That's a little bit more of an adult movie, but still disco. All right, so I got, so my father was my first talent agent. They were doing the play Pippin, which has a little boy role in it. So my dad was like, my son will be in the heart. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, that was it. You know, told him what to do. So I was in the show. <laughs> And I memorized the whole show. I was correcting them when they messed up their lines. I knew every stage direction. I knew everything. So I was in that show. And then uh, my dad knew somebody at college that was doing the playbill, which is the artwork for a mm -hmm. play in New York City. Went and auditioned to that, did that. That was called The Desperate Hours. It's a play written in the 50s. Very strange. About a family that gets held hostage, right? Mm -hmm. And has to survive and not get killed and all that. Very weird. And then I got an agent in New York City, or a manager, terrific talent, Marianne Leone, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and then I started auditioning in New York City. So I was in, I was an understudy at Joseph Papp's Public Theater in a play called Thir Three Act. No wait, Three Acts of Re Three Acts of Recognition. That was the name of the play. And in that play was the one-armed man who was the EPA asshole in Ghostbusters. Okay. All later. So you got to understand this is 81, 82, 83. Mm -hmm. Just before 85, 85, all these movies and all things came out. So everybody, all these people were working actors. Um, then I was in Moliere's Don Juan at the Delacourt Theater in New York City. Roy Brooksmith was in that. He was in the first Total Recall movie. He was a very um, redhead over... He was a very heavy guy. Mm -hmm. And he uh, talks to Schwarzenegger in Total Recall and he starts sweating and that's how Total that's how Schwarzenegger knows it's not a dream because he sees real sweat on the guy I know all these little things so then also Kelly McGillison was in it she eventually went on to be in Top Gun 
first Top Gun movie, and this actor that was the one-armed man in the Fugitive movie, if you ever watched that, he has one arm for some reason, the murderer or the guy, whatever, who really did it or something like that, that they think, you know, Harrison Ford did it. Okay. So you, um, had a, you ended up being in a play that just had a lot of talent. People went on to do Well, a lot yeah, of it's kind of funny. Like, I mean, this is all, I mean, they were all maybe in their 20s. I'm in my teens, right? So they're like 15 mm-hmm. years to more, or older, 20 years older than me or more, right? And then they went on to do all this different all this different stuff. Now, at the time, I didn't realize it. I didn't realize when Top Gun came out that, the, oh, Kelly McGillis was in the show I was in four years ago. I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, like, meet everybody, write everybody's name down. Like, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't connect on Facebook, you know, whatever. So then I auditioned for... Um, a TV commercial for the Ms. Pac-Man Atari cartridge. Atari had come on the scene. Mm-hmm. Atari was the first multi-billion dollar electronics company. Uh, it all started with video games, not, you know, computers, really. It was video games. Yeah. So I was in the thing. All I did was do a deadpan look. So a deadpan look is like this. <laughs> yeah. That was all you did? Yes. I just dead mistreating it. So... <laughs> And the directors would all crack up laughing, and I just stare, and I had this way, I could just make my jaw feel heavier and heavier, and just like, like it's pulling down, pulling down, pulling down. Mm -hmm. So, the commercial goes, she's the most exciting woman I ever met. And I just go, yeah. That's it. So, that was under, in the winds of war, you get paid residuals every time it's on the air, depending on how many big of a network it is, and da da da. So I go to the mailbox, and I get a check, and I go to my parents, and it's for $8,500, right, in 1982, you know. So my parents are like, well, yeah, the theater stuff is cool, but maybe we'll send a bit of more commercials. Yeah. Yeah. How old were you at this point? Well, well, I'm from 71, so right now I'm 52, and it's 2023, so you got to subtract my age is one year less than the decade. So this is age 10 to age... 20, uh-huh. right? Um, then by the time I was in high school, half of 10th grade, I wasn't in public school. I was in the workshop for a Broadway play called Smile, a musical, that was written by Marvin Hamlet. She's the guy that wrote A Chorus Line and all the other, one of the big Broadway musicals. Mm-hmm. And the, direct, the guy who wrote the lyrics for it was a gentleman by the name of Howard Ashman. Howard Ashman, before that, wrote Little Shop of Horrors, Suddenly Seymour, you know that, man. And then um, in that play was the guy that ended up being the captain on SVU for the next 15 years. The bald guy that was the police captain on SVU. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's my wife's favorite show. So. <laughs> I, I've been watching that since... I mean, it's the longest running gosh darn show ever. And the the formula of it, all those SVU shows, or all those, what is that called? Law and Order. Yeah, they have like a... Everybody likes a good crying show, a good cop show. So anyway. Uh, so then I didn't make it in the Broadway show again. The kid that replaced me was Andrew Cassas, who I'm still friends with. He was Worms or on, on in Revenge of the Nerds. Okay, which who just told me this? Oh, my my other new client told me that's ASU. Now I gotta go watch it back and watch A, watch Revenge oh, of the Nerds. That's ASU that they're at. Oh, that's it's funny. Arizona. Yeah, and and anyway, so. Because my mom was talking to his mom about it. Blah, 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 blah. So I got to go look this up now and find the movie. Because what the people do now is they'll take the movie free, freeze frame and then they'll go take a picture of it. Like where it is, what it looks like now, 20 years later, yeah. or 50, 30 years later. Maybe 30 years later. So, okay. So then that was kind of like the height of that. Uh, then I did 
of course, high school choir. I was Amos Hart in um, the musical Chicago in junior year. One of my buddies from that, John you Roberts. Did musicals then too. <laughs> yeah, I singing and all that. Yeah. So he was the John Roberts is on uh, Burger Man, Burger Guy. What is it called? Burger. Oh shit. There's a cartoon. It's like The Simpsons. It's called oh, Burger or something. Bob's Burgers. Yeah, he's one of the voices on there. Okay. He graduated high school with me. Um, and then I went uh, to college at Drew University, and all I was doing was playwriting. So the acting really stopped. Oh, wait, hold on. Yeah, college. But then the last TV thing that I did was 1996. I was in a TV commercial for Hardee's, which out here is called Carl's Jr. Yeah. 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 So the commercial, there's a general in the army, and he goes, who's dumb enough to take this big bomb and carry it through this minefield? <laughs> and we're all being really dumb. So I go, e -e -e, me! So that started to air, but then in, in 1996, in Atlanta at the Olympics, there was a bomb scare. So all of a sudden, here comes the, the change. No, it was politically, you know, here comes what's going to be 9-11 five years later. Like, this politically correctness, and we're yeah. not going to make, you know, jokes about people blowing up anymore, I guess, or whatever. Darn it. You can only do that on Bugs Bunny now, I guess. When you watch <laughs> reruns. Wiley Coyote, you know, where his face gets blown up. So, yeah. that was that. And then from 95 to when? Uh, well, I met my ex-wife in 98. Yeah, so then I really didn't do it anymore. But from, like, 94 to 95, I guess, 96, I was doing stand-up comedy. So I had a little slip of my paper in my pocket from Showbiz Magazine, which is the New York City magazine where you look for all the parts and the auditions and da-da-da-da. And it said to do stand-up comedy. So it said the teacher is Stephen Rosenfield, who writes for David Letterman. He's in a comedy writing for this and that. Oh, <clears throat> I had an internship with Andy Breckman. Andy Breckman thought of this idea for an obsessive compulsive detective. Uh -huh. What show is that? You know what it is. He's an obsessive compulsive disorder detective. It's called M O N K. Oh, okay. Monk. Yeah. So he thought of the idea. He didn't write the show. But since he thought of the idea and these other guys ran with it, he has created. So if you look at created by, it says Andy Breckman. There's a, there was a movie that came out called Rat Race, which was like kind of like Cannonball Run. Mm -hmm. I'm dating myself really, you know, back to the 70s, 80s movies. So he wrote that. So I interned with him. Mm -hmm. And he told me this. He told me there's two ways you can do it, life, right? You can be an artist and be poor. <laughs> or you can give your idea to someone else. They'll completely ruin it, but they'll pay you a lot of money, right? And that's basically how Hollywood works. They'll buy the idea from you. Right? Turn it upside and down. And then they'll turn it upside down. Hire 16 other yeah. And if you ever watched the Flintstones live action movie, there's an example. Because it's <laughs> horrible. But when you watch it, you look. I always say, look at all the writers they had. And if you see this whole list of writers, that's why. Because one person didn't follow it through. And you too, know many, I mean. too many cooks too in many the kitchen. Too many chefs in the soup. Um, show business. And then the Hardee's commercial. That was the last commercial. Then I did comedy, comedy, comedy. Then 99, I, I decided to go do website design and get my first job working for that real estate agent guy. And then the next year, I was working in corporate at a big international software firm, and that was it. Hmm. Right? So it went all the way to age 29. 29. So how, when did you strike out on your own 
and because you said you're working for a big corporate place, and so yes. at some point now you're you're so not the, working for some big corporate. Place got now. it. The whole time that I was at Sinksort, that was the name of the company. They're still there. I think they got bought out by something else. Sinksort is a software company that um, made an what is that called? Not an algorithm, a mathematical formula that could sort data faster. Okay. So back in the days of mainframes, when they were the size of cabinets, <laughs> the sales guy would go out and go, okay, run the IBM, that was it, right? <laughs> IBM sort. Yeah. And run sync sort. And sync sort would finish faster. So if you can imagine you're searching in a database of Verizon for phone records. You know, you realize how many phone records, billions of phones, whatever, billions of calls, right? How are you going to sort that data out and get the information faster? You have to have a faster running algorithm that sort it, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So. It was like the early days of, yeah, trying to. Yeah. So not to do more, get out of Excel and Yeah, so they were more. the first ones to have a patent on computer software. Okay. Because they actually invented a different algorithm way. I don't know what it was. Okay. So. Um, uh, that was my first corporate job. My whole time, my mom had cancer. It went into remission. It came back. It went into remission. Da, da, da. And then by November, September, no, wait, October was when she had the big operation where they really, um, you know, tore her up. And then by November, she passed away. And then I found out afterwards that I could have taken a non-paid leave of absence. So believe it or not, my mom died on a Thursday and I went back to work on Tuesday. Oh, you know what I mean? I just didn't know what to do. I thought, well, God, I got to get back to work. My manager started doing this. Oh, well, you're late. You know, oh, you weren't in the meeting. You know what I mean? I'm just yeah. I'm messed up, right? And she starts all of a sudden because her manager's on her ass. You know, because normally, she who cares? She can't stand up for you know, her we employee. Nobody was really, it was very, you know laissez-faire or whatever um but i did really good there i was one of the only people that i could explain to the tech people what we wanted to do in marketing explain to the marketing people what the tech was all about yeah and kind of communicate back and forth um and then when she passed away by january i got married and then i told them february 14th i think it was i said you know i'm quitting mm -hmm. so that what was year? January two, uh, 2003. Exact, we're exactly 20 years into okay. me running my own business this year. Congratulations. I, I made it. I, I don't know how much longer I'm going to make it, but I made it, you know, 22 whole decades working for nobody but me. And somehow I'm still here. So, <laughs> you know, just, just uh, keep meeting new people and all that. Ripped yourself out of your network in the East Coast and yeah. So again, like that, I threw here. away the theater stuff. I threw away comedy. I threw it all away. For it wasn't until 2016 then, mm -hmm. so I'm at another almost 15 years. Then I started doing the videos, mm -hmm. right, and getting back into the theater aspect of of this, which I and now that I get to sit in a director's chair with you, which we're gonna do, and I'm gonna go okay. Now the other side, now tell this story. I cut, tell this story. Yeah, I, it just took me home. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing what I was doing when I was three, and that's what really brought my life all together. So I always say, you know, that thing that you threw away. I don't care if you used to make remote control cars or whatever. Like you're still tinkering with the electronics and stuff. Your father, that's good. Keep that. Yeah. You know, be the guy that's that. You you can even take this and like review the latest equipment. You know what I mean? Like. Keep playing with the toys that you like to play with. Because when that all can continue on in your business, it's much more fun than doing something that's like, oh my God, I hate it. Yeah. So you can stop here.
Well, I got a car behind. I was gonna say. And we'll be back for episode two of. <laughs> we're just gonna drive around, teach you about Arizona, and interview someone at the same time. So we hope this you like this episode. This is actually really good. No, but this is a good idea for a podcast, dude. This is very good. Like we got into the last time, and then you and then if you video it, I like it. Yeah, so we'll see. You never know. I mean, like you said, the... Daryl Stern is on the premiere episode, though. This was the best one. This was the <laughs> one that launched his career. Remember that. Daryl Stern. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time and driving around. Hope you enjoyed the milkshake. And uh, oh if people, you know, if they're, if they're listening, they're like, yeah, you know what? I've been doing video stuff, and or, or I need to grow my business. I, what, what you described is... A, where I'm at right now um, yeah you know I'm not a startup I need to get this thing going how do they get in touch with you how do they find out more sure so I'm D-A-R-R-E-L-L which is the French spelling for some reason Stern S-T-E-R-N and then you can go on there and find me on LinkedIn uh, you can go to Stern.Marketing see all the uh, testimonials and so I just put them I just dug through all this old stuff I put I got ones going back to 2013 like all the way through you know like, I think so, every business owner is guilty of this. I mean, I got testimonies. You know what I mean? And we don't stop to rejoice and look at what we've accomplished because business goes up and down. It's a roller coaster. So true. Um, that's that's. Let's do another episode on that because I don't want to go and hit it. But yeah, you go there. You find me all over the interwebs. Uh, I have some free classes and stuff at sternstorming.com too that you can download and stuff. And uh, yeah, I'd love to talk to you if you really. You are a gift to the world. There's something inside of you, and everything that you've done, good and bad, is like an amazing story. And if you stop just focusing on yeah, the business, I gotta sell the business, and believe it or not, and let go of that, you'll sell a whole lot more just by being yourself. Yeah, so, and uh, you'll see some content we'll come out with, working with, uh, with Daryl as well, so. Woohoo! Yeah, you'll get to see some examples of that.